Boy, wash your hands. Girl, wash your hands. Wash your hands, nasty. Amen. I feel so safe after watching that video. Thank you. Look at somebody else say, wash your hands. All right. Sanitize your hands. <laughs> Man, if you're new to, to New Birth, uh, we want to let you know. Um, man, connect to our community. Connect. Jump in. Uh, we're really good young adults. We're really good at gathering. We're not that good at connecting. So connect. Do something. Go to that table. Sign up for a group. Make it your business to jump into the life of what's going on in this church. Amen? This series called Wash Your Hands has been about repentance. Repentance is a church word for turning away from old things, from bad things, from terrible things. And looking to God and what he wants from us. Tonight I'm preaching on God's standards. I want to read to you the book of James chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. I asked him to give me a stool. I have no idea why. Um, I guess it's going to make me a bit calmer. But I am a Pentecostal uh, preacher. I'm a Pentecostal so I'm very likely to flip this table open and call the serpents out. Just kidding. Not kidding. James chapter 4. I'm kidding, guys. Someone's like, I know this is that type of church. Um, verses 7 and 8. Y'all good? I know y'all got mask on and all that. So if you're sitting someone who doesn't have a mask on, just look at them and smile with your eyes and do one of these. That means put your mask on. Amen? <laughs> it's like, why do preachers say amen for everything, right? Amen. <laughs> you should never give me a stool, I promise. There's going to be so many jokes. The book of James, oh, I'm telling you, if you are new to church, new to faith, read the book of James if you need some instructions. I saw an interview with Kanye. He's like, can anybody just be straight up on what like, is expected from Christians? Because everyone's just beating around the bush on so much stuff. Right? And what you and I need, what this generation needs is clear instructions on what God expects from us. So the book of James is like, whoosh. Like, you want a spiritual weapon, read the book of James. Like, man, he talks about the tongue, and you're like, oh, my God. I'm only going to encourage people from here on out. <laughs> so let's read chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God. I just want to stop right there. How many guys know the Christian life is not just attending church services? It's actually submitting yourself to God. The Bible talks about a man who's going to cry on the day that Jesus returns. He's going to cry, Lord, Lord, I've been to church. I served. I was chilling in the front. And Jesus is going to be like, bro, I don't know you. Scariest verse in the Bible. To be so close to God but not connected to God. To be so into God's things but not about who God is. And this is plain and simple. Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to him. To God. It's a submission. There's a, there's a submission. How many of you guys know the word submit? Like, you know, you got to submit that assignment at 1159. Once you hit submit, there's no turning back. No, sir. And some of us don't understand submitting. That's why some, sometimes we walk away from God. When it's just, we got to see it like, I'm submitting myself to God. 
me being a Christian is not a phase. This isn't six months. This isn't because we're in a pandemic. I honestly love and I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And then he gives you some instruction. He gives you a little bit of encouragement. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's my question. When the devil comes to you, is there resistance or acceptance? I'm telling you, you're stronger than you think you are. You got more grace over you than you think you do. You have more power over the enemy than you maybe not even realize. And, and James is like, yo, the devil's going to try to tempt you. He's going to pull up on you. But if you resist him, he will flee from you. In other words, the enemy runs from people who have resistance. The enemy flees from people who have spiritual resilience. I hear a word from somebody, hey, keep fighting. Because the enemy's on his way out. Keep fighting. Keep going. Resist them. Stand firm and for your convictions and for the relationship you have with God and the enemy. He gets, he starts, he gets, he's shook when Christians start resisting him and not just accepting him in. Friends, the enemy is real. The enemy of your soul, he's, he's got three things in his job description. Steal, kill, destroy. So when he presents you sin, he knows where sin leads. Sin leads to death. That's just where sin leads us. But when you and I are in Christ, we are now a new creation. We now have a new spirit. Not the flesh that's led us all of our life, but now it's the Holy Spirit that leads us. Verse 8. Oh, I love this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God. Start praying every morning. Start reading your word. Start a life of worship. Don't make the only time you sing to God Tuesday nights at 8.30. Sing on Wednesday mornings. Sing on Sunday mornings. Sing on Saturdays. Sing on Friday nights. What are you singing on Friday nights? What's in your playlist? <laughs> come near to God. He'll come near to you. Sometimes you, you, you want God to do all the work. If you start coming near to God more often, he'll come to you more often. If you set the atmosphere, it attracts him in. If you make a fireplace, God will drop the fire from heaven, but it's going to take some effort. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Don't you love how plain the Bible is? It's like you're righteous through the blood and the, and the sacrifice of Jesus, your new creation, or you're a sinner walking in destruction not minding your relationship, not minding anything. You're just going off on life with whatever you want to do. No, no, no. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. You know what's double-minded? That's what me and my wife want to eat something after work. It's a perfect example of double-minded. You know, <laughs> y'all with me? It's going to be firehouse or going to be public subs? What is it going to be? Double-minded. <laughs> You want to know what spiritual double-minded sounds like? Go to church tonight or go with those friends and commit sin and just look something that's not like Jesus. It's double-minded. And you got to make a decision. Here's my title for tonight. Write it down. Keep your hands clean. Yeah, they're clean, right? Because Jesus cleans you. That's what we know. You can't clean, you can't clean yourself. You can't wash your own hands. Jesus washes your hands for you. That's what he does. He keeps you clean. My question is, are you keeping your hands clean? Are you continuously coming to Jesus? 
The gospel is not for new people in the house of God. The gospel is for every person in here. No matter how long you've been Christian, the gospel is for you every single day. You don't grow up from it. You grow in it. There's no level two in Christian. It's just gospel, 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 gospel. I was dead, now I'm alive. I was bondage, but now I'm set free. I was on my way to hell, but now I'm secured in heaven. God is with me, God is for me. This is a daily thing. I've got to keep my hands clean. Got to keep them clean. Got to keep them clean. How many guys uh, ever lived with your mom and dad? Yeah? I mean, some of y'all was just born self-made, right? Like, y'all been in my home since five. Running that daycare, man. What you mean, boy? It's been an OG since seven and a half. But what you mean? I've been on my own in these streets. No, no, no. When you live on your mom and dad, you know that, like, when they tell you to clean your room, like, there's clean for you, but then there's clean for them. So I remember telling my mom, like, before I went out to play basketball, something, she'd be like, clean your room. I'm like, all right, cool. I bet. So I'll clean, like, I'll, you know, whatever, try my best. And I'm about to leave, right? I'm getting ready to go. All right, mom, I'm out. And she's like, did you clean your room? And you're like, yeah, I cleaned my room. She goes, oh, my God, you ready? She goes, let me check. Yeah. You're like, ooh, let me call my boys. I'm going to be like an hour late. <laughs> so she walks in. She's like, this is disgusting. And you're like, mom, it's clean. And she goes, no, it's clean to you, but it's not clean to me. <laughs> There's clean... And then there's clean, clean. And your mom and your dad, they, just, they have laser beam focus, right? They're like, what's that trash over there? What is that? It's been there for weeks. They're like, I didn't even see it, mom. You should have seen the room before you came in. Like, friends, there's clean, but then there's God's idea of clean. And right there, what, what, what just happened, right? What What happened? You got an idea of what clean looks like, but now it's breaking you that God has an idea of clean. It's either breaking you to humility or breaking you to pride. The humility says, I need to know his standards so I can please him. The pride is saying, he's really making this tough for me. I'm going to stay where I'm at. Friends, in submission, the only way to completely submit is to do it humbly. Submitting to God, you can't do it in a prideful way. It doesn't exist. You got to go in humble. You got to go the low way and say, wow, I need to understand God's standards and what he wants for me. My first idea tonight is this. You and I have to make a commitment to God's standards. He has standards. There's a way of living. There's, a, there's like criteria. Like there's this thing you need. And we're going to go through this. And how do I commit to God's standards? And we're going to give you some pointers on how we can commit to it. But God's standards, I'm telling you, like, don't let it break you down. Let it build you up. God actually wants you to live a certain lifestyle. Like, you know, and this is going to help us because we think we can be a Christian and still be in the gang that we're in. We think we can serve Jesus to serve another master. That's not real service. You know that. For some of you, your job is everything for you. Your job is everything for you. For some of you, your job is your idol. You worship your position. You can't picture yourself outside of your job. So then when God humbles something that you begin to elevate above him, that's when you realize he's the only thing that deserves my attention, worship, and life focus. The dream you're looking for, you know that dream? You know without God, it's not that good? You know that? The dream you have in your heart, I'm telling you, God gave it to you, but don't elevate a, a dream over the God who gave you the dream. 
anything you elevate to God, he will humble down. We need to make a commitment to God's standards because I'd rather please God and lose the world than gain the world and lose my soul. I'm, I'm going to make a commitment to God's standards. Anybody in here going to make a commitment to God's standards? Come on. Like, if we're just going to do anything right this year, it's going to be committing to what God wants me to commit to. Psalms 139 verse 9 says, How can a man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, God's word, God's Bible, the way that he wants us to live. That's how we can keep our way pure, by walking in the word of God. How often do you read the Bible? There's a study that shows that the Christians that, that, that struggle with things that, hear me well, the Christians that struggle with things that other Christians don't struggle with, Notice there is a jump in these actions when there is a daily commitment to reading God's word. Literally every week they did a poll and they talked about depression. They talked about addiction. They talked about anxiety. They talked about evangelizing. That's speaking about this good news to Jesus, which our church does all the time. If you're a guest in here, I'm letting you know that you just got evangelized too. <laughs> hey, come to my church. We love you already. Come. Um, we can't wait to lay hands on you from afar. Some of y'all got tricked and come here to some pretty girls. You got to show up. <laughs> and it's like God, you know, that God showed up. It is like you didn't come here for pretty girls, man. You came here to get your life transformed. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we, we evangelize. Like, there's things that we do. Y'all here tonight? And we got to commit to God's standards. We worship. We read the Bible. We evangelize. We, you know, we spread the gospel. And in this, in this poll, this was funny. Christians who read the Bible once a week, they reported, this is an, an anonymous survey, high levels of depression anxiety, addiction, and struggle once a week. Twice a week, same thing. Three times a week, same thing. Here's, what, here's when it switched. When people reported to reading their Bible four times a week, all of those results drastically dropped. Addiction dropped, loneliness, anxiety, depression. The people who read the Bible four times a week were even more likely to spreading the gospel because they know the gospel, so they can spread a message they understand. The Christians, watch this, that actually are free from things, that are walking, and they're walking in freedom, and they're literally living the life that you and I know what God's calling us to. The Christians that reported that read the Bible. And, and listen, I'm not saying read a bunch of Bible and then things are going to start happening. I'm saying believe God's word, walk with God every day, and you'll see results in what you do. It's a literal survey. It's a real survey. Next idea is this. Listen, purity is understood from the word of God. Don't look to TikTok to teach you how to be pure. Don't look to YouTube to teach you how to be pure. Don't look at Instagram preachers to teach you how to be pure. Look at the word of Jesus Christ to how to be pure. Like my wife's in the room. My boo day, she in the front. Hello. My Colombian queen. My boo thing. If my wife didn't have standards, we wouldn't be married right now. If my wife let anyone get her number, we wouldn't be married right now. If my wife didn't let me work hard and make me work hard, 
to get her attention, to get her, if she didn't have standards, we wouldn't have our relationship. And listen, God doesn't want a, a summer fling. <laughs> God wants an eternal relationship with you. He wants eternity with you. So he's got standards. Anything that's good in your life has got standards, right? Anything that's good in your life has got standards. So here's a question. We're going to answer it. How do I commit to God's standards? How do I commit to God's standards? Number one, these aren't by importance, but there's just some ideas. You guys feeling good tonight? You guys, you guys good? How do I commit to God's standards? Number one, I must manage my mind. Some of you are really good at managing your schedules and you're terrible at managing your mind. Some of you are really good at managing your life, but you're terrible at managing your mind. Job 31 verse 1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a girl. That doesn't sound like he's shaky on the decision. That sounds like he's managed his mind and made a decision and came to a conclusion that he is not going to look on a woman in a way that does not honor his father. I made a covenant with my eyes. Some of you guys have to start making covenants with your eyes to not think and do things that you know would not honor God. I want to change these verses a bit. I made a covenant with my ears not to hear things that'll lead me to lust, hear things that'll lead me to sin, hear things that'll lead me to being anything other than what God expects from me. Here's another verse, Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Vile means destruction, deadly, worthless, unworthy thing. I will not look at it. I will not look at it. That's a decision to manage your mind. You gotta protect your mind. Why is someone deciding not to look at pornography? Because they wanna protect their view on women, they wanna protect their view on relationships, and they do not wanna walk into a marriage with an addiction, they wanna walk into a marriage with purity. Why do people make these type of covenants? Why do people share their browsers with their friends so they can know that they can't look at those things and it should be blocked? Why do we do that? Why do we? Because protection is another form of affection. We know that in our lives, don't we? Protection is another word of affection. Is your relationship with God guarded? Are you protecting it? Are you protecting your relationship with God? How do I protect it? Well, I'm not going to talk badly about my church. I'm not going to talk badly about people. If you want to protect something, don't talk about it bad. That's always killing the vibes, right? Someone cannot meet a person you've met, but only see them the way you've seen them. And you've just damaged the way people experience people. I'm not going to say that. It's going to hurt them. And more importantly, it's going to hurt me. I'm going to protect them. And that's the way that I love them is by protecting them. I'm going to protect my relationship with God. For some, for some of us in the room, we don't know what it is to be single. To be single and fruitful. And God's like, yo, care about this relationship first. And then we'll work on somebody else. But until you understand who I've called you to be, how I love you, until you understand that, that's when you can understand how to share it and lead a life with someone else. 
Protection is another form of affection. Protect your mind and manage it. The psalmist here is saying, I'm not even going to set before my eyes a vile thing. There's one thing of someone setting you up. It's another thing of you setting yourself up. Man, if you got friends that all they do is show you nasty things on their phone every two minutes, I'm telling you, don't like cut them off, but you need new friends. Like, don't cut them off. Stop cutting people off. That's not of God. God leaves 99 found people to go after the one person y'all cut. He leaves 99 for the one lost. It's the God we serve. Stop cutting people off, but just change your circle a little bit. Get like, Pastor, but all they do is just offer me drink and offer me drink and offer me drink and now I'm drunk. Change the circle you're in. Oh, was that too real? Was that, did that hit home? Pastor, every, every time I'm with them, you know, we end up smoking. It's just, they, I didn't even bring it. I didn't even buy it. It just ended up in my mouth. Change your circle of friends. Protect your relationship with God. Don't be a Christian because Christians are looking at you. Be a Christian because God is always looking at you. God is always there. Can I tell you one moment that God's not looking? There's not one. He's always looking. That's why we fear him. Not fear that he's going to kill us, but fear that we'd let him down. But fear that, that he sees me and I'm acting like he can't see me. When you decide to go into a room and have sex with someone who is not your wife or your husband, you are denying the fact that God can see y'all both butt naked. You're denying it. <laughs> when you know that God's still looking, he's like, yo, he's still looking. And you're not my wife. <laughs> so we can't do this. Fear of God, not fearing that he'll hurt you, but fear that you'd let him down. The, the, one of the worst words you can hear from your parents is, I'm disappointed in you. Protection is another form of affection. How are you protecting your relationship with God? If you're the only Christian in your circle, you need a new circle. Because it's so much more easy for people to bring me down than for me to lift up eight people. Like, try to pick me up. No, gravity's just going to pull me down. Protect your relationship with God. If every time you're with this specific person, you don't look like a child to God, it's time to change the people you're around. Get people in your life that'll speak positivity, that'll encourage you. If I'm gonna commit to God's standards, I gotta manage my mind and I gotta protect my mind because protection is another form of affection. Yeah, with me tonight? The Holy Spirit, I hear him right now, is telling you guys to change some of the songs you're listening to. Because every time you hear that song, you think that way, and then you do that thing. Can we get real tonight? I hear the Holy Spirit telling you guys, some people right now, to, to, to change some things on your cell phone. To delete some followers. And, 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 and not follow this account, because this account is always going to lead to that. Protect, protect your relationship with God. Protection is another form of affection. Y'all here tonight? Another way I can commit to God's standards, number two, I must magnify the consequences. I got to magnify the consequences. That's probably my favorite. Magnify the consequences. You guys know magnifying glasses, right? Like you put them over and what seems so small becomes so big. On the menu of sin and addiction, the pleasure is always bigger 
than the, than the consequences. I'd say the consequence on the menu of sin and addiction is really low and really little and probably like even upside down on the menu. You got to like to get the consequences. How come when you, before you and I make a dumb decision to sin, we only look at the pleasure, but we don't look at the consequence. We only look at how is this going to make me feel good. Robbing this, doing this, saying this, touching this, whatever. How is this going to make me feel good? Instead of how is this going to damage my relationship with God and people? If you and I are going to commit to God's standards, we got to magnify the consequences. Because here's the thing, if we don't magnify the consequences, if we don't understand them, and when they come, it'll push us further away from God. Because now you're living in the consequence instead of living in the wisdom. You're living in the effects of all your bad decisions, and that ought to lead you back to the arms of God or deeper in your hole. You and I must make a decision to magnify the consequences. Proverbs 6, 32 says this, but a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Adultery is sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her, her spouse. So that's like someone having sex with someone who is married and someone who is married literally going against their covenant in front of God and people on their wedding day. They're going against that covenant and now they're breaking and breaching their marriage with someone who is not their wife, that is adultery. And the Bible says a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. You lack judgment. Commit as God to, to be with your wife, be with your husband, and now you're stepping outside of that to get pleasure. You lack judgment and you're actually destroying yourself. Fornication is sexual intercourse between people who are not married to each other. So in the Bible you see Clearly, fornication and adultery being two sexual sins that wipe people out. Friends, if, if you're in this room and, and all you know is to have sex with people that you do not know and, you know, people that aren't your wife or aren't your husband, I'm, pr I'm, I'm praying the Holy Spirit right now is tugging you, saying he's calling you to a bigger life. He's tapping your shoulder and he's pointing you I'm, we're not here to judge you. Let the Spirit do His work. What we're going to do is we're going to walk in this thing together. We're going to love you all the way there. And we're going to do this as a family. That's what we're here for. It's not to bring judgment. It's to bring truth. So you caught at a crossroad when they start talking about things on platform that you're dealing with. You're caught at a crossroad when you're reading the Bible. And it's literally saying to do the opposite of what you're doing. You gotta take this and you gotta let it come close to your heart and say, God, I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be humble. I'm gonna obey your word. Any obedient Christians in the room? Anybody just love being obedient to God? I love it. But magnify the consequences. If you're having sex, I'm telling you, sex outside of marriage is it's like a stupid experiment. We say no strings attached. Listen, there's always there's a soul tie to everyone you get into bed with. Anything that goes on in the bed is serious. You're born on the bed, you have sex on the bed, you die on the bed. Beds are spiritual. I'm going to preach on beds one day, right? You like that. Something's going on when you're in the bed with someone intimate. I'm telling you, God designed that for marriage. 
Because in marriage, sex is safe. It's not a competition. It's a journey. It's an exploration. Outside of that, it becomes a comparison. And you didn't do this like this person used to do it. And it's not the way that I experienced it this time. I'm telling you, God's calling you to a bigger lifestyle. He's calling you up. He's calling you higher. And, man, you can leave tonight and be like, yo, this, this sounds like religion. Or this sounds like relationship. That God actually has standards for those who want to walk with him. He's got standards. Let the conviction lead you to a life you've never seen before. My next idea is this. You lack judgment when you deny where your decisions lead. So don't be in denial that your decisions are going to lead to that place. A dark place. You lack judgment when you deny where your decisions lead. You guys know the domino effect, right? It's like... One domino over here, with the domino over here, I'm not literally doing all these things, but I just dropped one domino. You guys see the image, right? And it just led to that over there. I wasn't a part of the whole process. I wasn't even a part of the whole setup, but me opening that door led to something happening over here. Friends, we have to kind of see the dominoes with our decisions. I came to church today. I got saved. I received the Holy Spirit. I'm, leaving a new, I'm leading a new life. I've got God with me. I'm moving. I'm a new creation. You see the domino effect. Or I make this decision. I do this sin. I commit this sin. I hurt people. I wrong people. I break relationships. And more importantly, I'm not living up to who God called me to be. Number three, how do I commit to God's standards. We said I must manage my mind, number one. Number two is I must magnify the consequences. And number three, I must maintain healthy relationships. This is how I commit to God's standards. By intentionally building and maintaining healthy relationships. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a a companion of fools suffers harm. My next idea is this. Not everything that is healthy tastes good. A donut from Krispy Kreme when the sign is red and on, that's always going to taste good. I think Krispy Kreme is like the donut of heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got the book of life they talk about. Everyone who commits to Jesus has a relationship with Jesus. In the end, when you walk into heaven, uh, you end up in the book of life. I think right when they check your name off in the book, they give you a Krispy Kreme donut. Welcome in. (laughs) Don't worry, it's always warm. Now, celery ain't always good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not that into celery. I'm not that into veggies. Like, for me to go into my veggies, you got to spice them up a little bit. Like, you got to add some sweet sauce on them, chop them up real small. Like, I want you to drizzle them on the meat. You know what I mean? Like, drizzle them on some... I can't get all the veggies all together like that. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Even broccoli, like throw some salt and pepper on them bad boys. Just a little bit of salt, just a little bit of salt bay on that thing. You guys know, because not everything that's healthy tastes good. And I'm telling you, forgiveness is healthy, but it don't always taste good. It don't always taste good, but I'm telling you, it's the best thing you could probably do to help maintain healthy relationships. Understanding forgiveness. Humility doesn't always taste good. It don't, it don't taste good all the time. 
Oh, but humility is so good for you. And your relationships. You'll be surprised. Your worst relationships, ask yourself this question. Am I prideful in this relationship? Am I thinking about me or am I thinking about that person? Because some of us are so good at winning arguments and so bad at winning people. I'd rather lose an argument to win a person than win an argument to lose a person. I, I, I'd rather take the low way to take the highway. Tell me right now, is everyone in your circle a yes man and a yes woman? You come to them with dumb ideas and like, sure. You come to them with the worst decision of your life and they're for it. Go ahead. You want to do it? Feels right. Follow your heart. Yeah, man, go ahead. That's dangerous. When you've only surrounded yourself with people, they're going to tell you things you want to hear. Oh, I'm telling you, you are a control freak if the only people you surround yourself with are people that are always going to agree with you. That means that anyone who thinks other than you has been cut away from your life. Anyone that comes against your ideas has been pushed away. You're pushing everyone that's trying to lead you, trying to convict you, trying to call you up. No one can tell you no. No one can tell you that's a bad idea. No one can tell you that sin's going to kill you. No one's going to tell you that post is going to lead to something else. No one can do that. You surround yourself with people that only encourage your bad lifestyle. If none of your friends tell you, no, that'll kill you. No, this isn't right. No, that isn't right. No, that's not who God called you to be. No, this will hurt you. If you don't have people in that like in your life, I'm telling you, you are one conversation away from the worst decision in your life. Just because you've only surrounded yourself with people that promote the way of living that you're living. I must surround myself with people who believe in Jesus. We're going to call me up. I'm not saying to have your own little Christian club and y'all only, you know, we're just Christians only, our Bibles. I'm going to throw up. Stop being ugly. Christians are people, not robots. We can be a Christian baseball club, you know, we're just going to be Christians and we're just going to play baseball for the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, join the people outside that are watching. Get them in. Jesus is called the friend of sinners. Stop being weird. But just get some of them in your life. You know what I mean? Like, I love my unsaved friends. They're the best. Oh, I love them. I'm not going to go to them for relationship advice. <laughs> Stop going to single people for how to get into a relationship. That makes no sense. Stop going to broke people on how to invest. That makes no sense. Stop going to people who don't believe in Jesus to figure out how to find hope, truth, life, joy. That doesn't make sense. Connect. We're Pentecostal. If you stand up and scream at me, it's cool with me. I think I'm doing a good job when you do that. <laughs> I must maintain healthy relationships. I got to surround myself not with yes men and women, but people that are going to help develop me. If you kick someone out of your life for telling you the truth, find that person and ask for forgiveness. If you have kicked someone out of your life for telling you the truth, find that person Humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. That relationship is a relationship that's leading closer to Jesus. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's how they make swords. 
They're merging iron and iron. It's sharpening one another. Those are relationships you need to have in your life that you're not just like slushing one another, but you're sharpening one another. That I can call you out and you're not seeing that, oh, I'm just holy me for seeing your sin. No, I'm going to call you out because I love you. And I know that you'll do the same for me because affection is literally protection. Sharpen yourself up with other people. Maintain healthy relationships. I want to talk about right now the three responses to hearing God's standards. So I gave you three ways to make a commitment to God's standards. Number one is, you guys with me? Number one is I must manage my mind. Number two is I must magnify the consequences. And number three is I must maintain healthy relationships. But I want to talk about for a moment the three responses to hearing about God's standards. You know, when you start talking to a girl or talking to a guy, hey, baby girl, can I get your number? She's like, boy, I don't know you. (laughs) Y'all with me? Right there, you got a decision. There's a response to somebody having standards. There's a response in your heart when you hear that someone's not easy to get. There's something that goes on. Number one, for people who are self-centered, when you come across people that don't just easily let people into their lives, you get turned down. Because everything you want is easy. You get turned down. Man, this girl, whatever, she's playing hard to get. No, she's, she wants to know you before she touches you. He wants to know you before he says he loves you. Y'all with me tonight? There's a response to somebody having standards. Here's the first response. Number one, defensiveness. You can hear about God having standards and get defensive. Oh, no, ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. Not even God. Ain't nobody going to tell me how to live. Not even the church. Not even God's word. I decide what I do. I decide how I live. I decide where I go. I decide who I am. No, you don't decide who you are. (laughs) I love talking to young adults. Pastor, I'm just trying to figure out who I am. I'm just trying to figure it out. Get close to Jesus. He designed you. Get close to him. Get close to God. Don't let culture define who you are. Don't even let anyone other than God tell you who you are. Oh, I'm just going to figure this out, who I am. and I'm going to decide who I am. You're not God. Okay, so church, hear, hear my heart. You get to decide who you are when you decide what your face looks like. Did you decide what your face looks like? How'd you get, how'd you get so pretty? What'd you do at birth? What'd you do? You ain't do nothing to get your beautiful face. Stop being prideful. Be humble. That's a gift from God. If you did nothing to get your face, I'm telling you, there's a a design on you. God says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I designed you. Let's go to the designer to find out who we are, not even ourselves. See, this culture, this culture nowadays says, I'm going to find out who I am. I'm going to say who I am. I'm going to decide who I am and who I love. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. God wants to show it to you. God wants to reveal it to you. God's idea for your life 
is what it really means to be human. When you're not who God's called you to be, living in God's leadership, you're the furthest thing from human. But when you and I agree with God and come into his leadership and understand his standards, you and I are really human beings. Or to the human beings, human becoming. Can I talk to you about defensiveness real quick? Listen, when my guard is up, my growth is down. When my guard is up, my growth is down. When my guard is up, no, ain't nobody gonna tell me who I'm gonna live. My growth is gonna slow down. When my guard is up, oh, ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do with my finances. My growth is down. When my guard is up, no one's gonna tell me how to do relationships. Stop, stop right there. I didn't even talk about relationships with my parents. We never had the talk they got in movies. I'm just figuring it out. No one's gonna talk to me. I'm telling you, when your guard is up, your growth is always slow. Do not raise up a guard to God. Let your guard down to God. Let him heal you. Let him renew you. Let God into the crevices of your soul. The first response is defensiveness. The second response to hearing about God's standards, number two, is repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So you guys know what sorrow is? You guys ever sorrowed before, right? There's a godly way to do that, and there's, there's a worldly way to do that. The godly way is letting that sorrow lead to repentance. So, like, some of you guys are probably going to go tomorrow, and you're going to be faced with a decision. And if you fail God, if you make a decision tomorrow that honestly fails God, you feel that sorrow, you feel that conviction. Does that lead you to death, or does that lead you to repentance? Does it lead you to say, God, I need to get right with you. I need to reconcile with you. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need to stand up, dust my shoulders, and be a better person. Godly sorrow leads me to repentance that leads to salvation. But earthly and worldly sorrow only brings death. Here's the third thing. The third response to knowing about God's standards. Number one is you get defensive. Number two, you ask for repentance. Number three, you just don't care about God's standards. I think this is the worst one. I think this is the worst one. To not even care that God has standards. To, get, to go, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm telling you, that's the deadliest thing. I've, I've met with people. Hours and hours and hours. And as I'm helping them and leading them, they got that look on their face. They're like, I just don't care. Something, something terrible about a case that just doesn't care. There's something bad in a human being when you just stop caring. This year, I've watched videos like never before of our African-American brothers and sisters being brutally hit. And, and literally just beaten and killed by policemen. And I know not all cops are bad. And I know, you know, a lot of people are hurting. But my thing is, when did we think it was okay as a culture to just not care? When did we come to that conclusion that it's okay to just not care? That is not okay. That is evil. To not care is evil, friends. 
It's evil to say, God, I know you have this life for me. I know you've got these standards, but I'm just going to do my own thing because quite frankly, I just don't care. That is a tool that the enemy uses to keep you down, to just not care. That's a dangerous place to be. Man, if you leave with anything tonight, leave, leave with just a caring for what God wants from you. Just a concern to what God expects from you. I want to read to you just a part in C.S. Lewis. Anybody seen The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe? You guys seen that series, Narnia? I love Aslan. I remember crying in that movie as a little kid. Aslan, he's back. C.S. Lewis, oops, C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Narnia books, but he also wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, and it's literally a narrative that he designed of the devil talking to demons on who to attack, on who to press up against on. And this is from his book, The Screwtape Letters. It says, I, the devil, so this is, him, this is the devil speaking to his nephew. His nephew's a demon, and his name is Wormwood. What a weird name. This is crazy. I, the devil, will always see to it that there are bad people. In other words, I, the devil, I know people are bad. That's easy, right? There's, there's bad people. But he says here, your job, my dear Wormwood, is to provide me with people who do not care. I know there's bad people, but let's go after the people that just don't care. Because that's the area for me to work in. In areas that people don't care about. That's the place for me to work in and do my work. That's the place for me to bring confusion. That's the place for me to infect people's mind, to infect people's hearts. It's people who just don't care. You see, friends, like, I really want to picture Jesus the way he was when he thought of me on that cross. Dying for you. The only reason I'm a pastor and I'm giving my life to the serving of the church and of people is because Jesus died on a bloody cross for me. The same way he did for you. He died on a cross. You guys got that image in your head? Being crucified? It happened. Jesus' death and resurrection is recorded in human history. Probably the most recorded event in human history. All history split up in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So a man named Jesus died, scholars, professors, everyone understands that. But listen, you got to understand that he died for you. He died for you. Because you deserve death. You and all of your sins, you and I, we deserve death. We just read that everyone who sins and leads a life of sin, the reward of sin is death. But Jesus took what I deserve to give me what I didn't deserve. And that's to give me grace and to give me mercy. So when I think of Jesus on the cross, am I going to look up at Jesus and just not care? Or am I going to say, wow, he's actually dying for me. He's actually taking it all for me. Holy Spirit, you're here tonight. You've got some standards, God. I'm not going to lead my own life. I need a leader. 
I was designed to love you. I was created to be led by you. I was designed to hear you. I was designed to follow you. And God, you've got standards. You've got things that you're calling me to live by and for. And God, thank you for revealing that to me tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to me tonight and telling me the things that I need to readjust, realign, the things I need to change around in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for clarity. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm going to keep my hands clean. I'm going to come to you, God, every morning, every night. I'm going to come to you with my hands because I don't want to just be a regular just person who calls himself Christian. I want to live a life that is literally life-giving Christianity. So friends, if that's you, if you're in the room and you want to say yes to Jesus, every head bow, every eye closed, this is your moment. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I need to respond with my life, salvation is literally saying yes to Jesus. So all over this room, if you want Jesus, if you want salvation, the book of Romans says that if a man or woman wants to be saved, all they got to do is confess that Jesus is Lord and they're saved. Say it and believe it. So all over this room, if you want Jesus, if you want a relationship with God, you want to start that today, you want salvation. That's what we say in church, to be saved. We say it like this, that this is the day that I got saved, the day that I made that decision. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand unafraid and unashamed. If you want Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand. Three, two, one. Come on, lift your hand. If you want Jesus, if you want salvation, come on, can you raise your hand? Oh, I see one hand. Come on, I see two hands. Come on, I see three hands. Let's go. I see four hands up in the room tonight. Come on, church, can you lift up a shout of praise?